All right, everybody, welcome to Waxis Radio, the podcast. A community of conversations, conversations with inspiring people, interesting people, people with good stories, people in unique positions in life, and even just people I think are great and wanted to share their greatness with you. The hope is to inspire, to build camaraderie, broaden perspectives, share things we've picked up along the way on our journeys that have helped us get by a little easier. Some of the revolving topics we touch on will be mental health, creativity, spirituality, music and its industry, and trying to figure out the best practices for being at peace in a chaotic world. Today's podcast is brought to you by Waxless Industries. Normally, podcasts have sponsors, but I'm sponsoring myself since this is the first episode. While it is a community and a mindset, it's also a production house, mainly focusing on audio. Whether it's mixing, fixing, or creating, hit me up if you need anything to sound a little better than it currently does. Today, episode one, episode exorcism, coming in quite hot with the wild ride of a story by my Uncle Jerry. At dinner, right before we recorded the show, we realized he is a great uncle to my daughter, but we chose to go with Uncle Jerry the Great out of respect. He is a law enforcement officer, a firearms instructor, a SWAT team agent, a husband, a father, a man of God with a huge personality who is a master storyteller. So let's get to it. You are listening to Waxus Radio, the podcast. We're on. Hey. Hey. Welcome. Waxus Radio, everybody. This is uh, the uh, inaugural episode of uh, uh, stories with interesting people who have stories worth telling and listening to or whatever. So if, you, if you've been with us for a while, you know about Waxus Radio and what we do. We strive to be transparent, have real conversations about crazy stuff. Today, our guest is Jerry. Uncle Jerry. Great Uncle, Uncle Jerry? Jerry? Uncle Jerry Uncle the Great. Jerry. The Uncle great. Jerry the Great. Here, put this like way close to your face. <laughs> Not you Great go. Uncle Jerry. Not Great Uncle Jerry. Uncle Jerry the Great is the, <laughs> is the appropriate yeah, You want to feel old to get called Great Uncle Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> we go way back, technically to my birth. Yep. Uh, <laughs> all the way back. <laughs> all the way back. Uh, we've had a lot of different experiences in life, uh, encounters together, and... Uh, but uh, I'm starting this thing where we're going to have people who have really good stories and uh, stories that we want to share with people. And uh, it was always story time growing up with this guy. <laughs> I, uh, it's funny that you came. He came to me with the idea to tell this story. And uh, when I thought about what I wanted to do with great storytellers, uh, I can't think of anybody who's better at telling stories than this man right here. So, um, Aww, uh, don't let us down don't now. Put too much heat on that. <laughs> bring the heat on that one. Uh, so we also have Mary in the studio. Hey, Mary of Mary and the Maxwells. Shout out, uh, one of my favorite records I've ever produced. Aww. If I have to be so, thanks. So bold. Uh, we're gonna mute this guy. We here. should make another one. We should. So what we want to do is have a kind of a, a candid conversation about. Uh, <laughs> evil, really, if you break it down and, and demystifying it and taking the the mystery out of the fact that we do encounter stuff like this on a day-to-day basis. And uh, Jerry has a very powerful story about such a thing. Um, Mary, mm-hmm. why why are you here? Let's let's break that down real quick before we get into it. Uh, you invited me? <laughs> you have a little bit of experience? I do have experience. I have a background. My parents are uh, both ministers. And I grew up with, I grew up never realizing that people didn't believe in the unseen, kind of. And I grew Mm. up watching them pray for people and watching people get delivered through them, through Jesus, obviously. But it was always real to me. So, I don't know. It wasn't like a, like a, 
it was movie thing, right? No, it was never like theatrical movie. It was like, oh, this is for real. Like God is real and the devil is real. But it's <laughs> yeah. not something to be scared of, even though it was scary sometimes as a child. Well, that's, that's crazy because I grew up not knowing anything about the hmm. devil. You know, I always heard about God and hmm. being built in God's perfect image and uh, were a perfect reflection of God. But then at times we weren't, and I didn't realize where that came from. Like, you know, you don't hmm. you don't see it as a, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I just made a mistake or I did something wrong. You don't see that there could actually be influence on your wrongdoing, that there's a push for you to do the wrong thing and that sinful nature that, you know, well, that we all have. A push for you to do the wrong thing. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. We even, I think about like how kids can be kind of directed by not necessarily demonic forces but thoughts that are thrown into their minds it's like all in the mind go do this because it's going to really piss your dad off you know it's, it's crazy that you say that because one of the aftermaths of this this encounter that we're talking about was all these police officers were scared and they went to their churches and they went to their priests and and if you go to a catholic priest and you ask them about <laughs> uh possession and exorcism it's it's a real conversation they're like oh no 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 so you don't got to worry about that because demons want pure they want kids. They want. They want really less than right. Sin. That's in Third uh, Peter chapter twenty nine. Yeah, we've already gone too far <laughs> down the rabbit hole. You know, we've already crossed it's, the threshold of that's sin. Not in the Bible, that was yeah, the no, wow. yeah, right. <laughs> not a real book. But I was going to ask about the Catholic thing and the priest that was there, but we'll get there. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, but the, we'll the whole thought on it was that. Don't worry, it's not going to rub off on you because you've sinned so much. It's you know wow. that, that, that's why they went after the kids. Oh. That's why kids were so susceptible to that this. Is so deceptive and crazily not accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh wow. Well, uh, that, that's they just don't what want you. You're us. too dirty already. You already <laughs> ruined it. Don't and worry. You're too far gone. So no, they just effective. want the kids. Yeah. No, the devil only wants the kids. That's, that's all. The great deceiver. Sheesh. Okay, so wow. my man Doug Becker, I think he's in the chat. Shout out to uh, Plus Two Elsewhere. All right. Wittenberg, Doug, and John Candido. I was talking to Doug earlier today, and Screw Tape Letters, right? Are you familiar? No. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Screw Tape Letters. And Screw Tape Letters is basically an elder demon writing to his nephew, hilarious, uh, about oh, how to ensnare. Bad analogy. Bad analogy. <laughs> We're already off in the wrong. Uh, on how to ensnare and trap and deceive humans. The idea, the assumption is that there is a demon assigned to every human much like a guardian angel, but the inverse. And so he's teaching him, like, here's how to really mess this guy up. And what uh, Doug reminded me of this earlier, in the beginning of it, they said, your job is not to be as evil as possible, but as deceptive as possible. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's deep. And he said, uh, the question came up, like, what would a city run by Satan look like? And it wouldn't be like Pleasure Island, or it wouldn't be Fire and Brimstone. It would just be a pretty successful city where nobody is aware of a need for God because everything is pretty good. Wow, that's deep. Just like he said, it's that America. is just as demonic as somebody hissing on the ground. Well, you know, honestly, the, the the reason that I felt the need to get out and talk, I mean, obviously, I didn't think of a podcast, or I didn't think of putting it out there this way. But one of the reasons that I thought about this was, like, I told this stuff, told the story a thousand times, but I don't think I've ever really got the meaning across and and mm. what I got out of it. Like, you know, I mean, there's a story mm. here, there's a reality here, there's learning points here, and there's so much truth to it that, like, we just had to get out, and I had to put it out there to people that, that know theology. You know, a lot of... <laughs> Shout out Doug Becker, pastor of theology. He's in the <laughs> chat. This is... Uh, I, I was definitely excited the way that you presented it to me. I was like, yes, this makes all the sense in the world. Let's do it. Um, and so Mary has the... 
again, the, the background, the, your parents are both ministers. Um, I remember having some pretty great conversations with them about deliverance and things like oh, when true. we went through it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. They were one of the first points of contact when we started learning about this stuff. So um, let's get it, let's get it popping. Uh, let's say a brief word of prayer. Um, thank you, God, for this time. Thank you for these people. Thank you for the things you bring us through and the way that you grow us through them. Please give us wisdom as we uh, have this conversation. And uh, we love you. Amen. Amen. John Candido says Amen. he still has that book. Are you talking about screw tape? Good. Oh, well, he has it. Yeah. Oh, is it mine? Did, is that where no, that one's up? mine? Hey, that might be where Mary's lost copy is. All right, good. I said to Mary, like, bring the copy of Screw Tape Players Day. She's like, I can't find it. I couldn't it. find it anywhere. I might have borrowed it and then given it to someone I else. I do not lose books, so I don't have it. We also are, uh, we're like brother and sister that were never family. What? We are now. I loan out her books is the point. He said, yep. Dito says that would be it. All right, so. Is it 18 years we've known each other? It's weird. I know. Yeah, it is. It's actually also the uh, length of my that I have as a professional sound engineer that I <sighs> throw out there. You're welcome. When the boomers get mad, I throw. <laughs> I have 18 years experience, sir. And I still look really young. <laughs> All right. So, uh, without too much incrimination to the surrounding, you know, powers that be, uh, Jerry, tell us your, tell us how we got there. You had yep. it was one crazy night. Yep. So, that led to. So let me just throw this out there. This is uh, this is my interpretation of what happened. This you know, the facts as I know it. Um, this is a documented uh, official story. You know, there's police reports on this. Yeah, you said uh, you're trying to get the police reports earlier. Uh, I yeah. have them. Ooh. I just I didn't print them out. I wasn't able to print them out. But it's okay. We have your, uh, we have your mind. But but what's most important on it is there's police reports all over the world mm. of this. You know, this was matter of fact for us to write the police report in this situation, the one district, they were like, Hey, whose district is this? Is it 10 cops there? And the one district, they're like, Hey, good luck writing this. And then when they read his report the next day, they're like, no, I want a report from every cop that was there. There's <laughs> wow. no way this is true. <laughs> wow. And, and, you know, I was smart enough to write it in a factual basis. Like, you know, um, you know, there's no drug in the world that could do this. You know, with all my years of training and uh, education and experience, this is not something that is a, a drug effect that could make kids do this. You know, mm-hmm. drugs can't make kids speak in five different languages and, and male voices and female voices and, and uh, Latin and tongues and, you know, sh- sh- squealing uh, the stuff, the, yeah, the squeagle voices yeah. or whatever, you know, Spiegel voices. <laughs> Spiegel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it, you know, it, it was that kind of crazy. But so so just to let you know, it, it started off the night before, actually. The, so if you picture this, it's like 2 in the morning. 2012, right? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, my son's birthday, April 18th, 2012. Um, I missed the original call. So if you can just picture a bunch of police officers, the next day at lineup, this is what I'm finding out about this call the next day at lineup. So I... I had SWAT practice the day before. I got to miss my regular tour of duty. I come in, and right before lineup, all these guys are trying to explain this exorcism call to me. You know, this, you know, oh, man, you should have been there, man. It was crazy, man. It was pea soup, uh, head flying, you know, yeah, screaming, you know. What's, what's uh, pea soup? What does that mean? Throwing up pea soup. <laughs> you know, oh, the, the, I you wish know. I didn't ask. Okay, go on. Movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, but, um, and, you know, like I really had no idea what they were talking about. You know, they were just saying, no, no, seriously, she was possessed, man. I'm telling you, she's crazy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. She, no, 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 serious, man. And then w- what's crazy is there's always that one person on the shift that just saying, no, he was there, he'll tell you. 
and that one person, if he told you, would add credibility to it. Mm-hmm. And they just saying his name. I was like, yeah. And you know, dude's like, yeah. You know, it's like yo, Steve said it's a. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, legit. Well, it's legit. Yeah, yeah, just that one person saying it was there. So, but there was that moment too. And so now I'm 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 partnered up with a, one of my old street crime partners, guy I hadn't been with in years. And uh, we start patrolling, and he's still t- talking to me about this. And he's like, yeah, man, it was crazy, man. We went there on this burglary call, and and you know she was all possessed, and and you know talking in men's voice, and lady, and and then then she dude she just passed out, and it was crazy, man. And this whole time talking about it, a couple hours go by, and we get a call of a twelve year old having a seizure at a convenience store. It's four fourteen. Oh well. Like, yeah, I got to keep the locations and stuff yeah, out of don't it. Know. So there was a 393 Jefferson Street. If you want to stop by, let them know that you know the story. So, Just go for it. So uh, we, we go to this convenience store, and there's this one guy standing out front. you know, And he's sitting there with the phone. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Where's the kid? And he points over to this house. And my partner grabs me by the elbow, and he's like, yo, this is the house, bro. This is the house. <laughs> you know, I'm like... Uh, it, you know, he's like, the exorcism, yeah. this is it, bro. Oh, boy. So uh, there's, I look over and there's, it, it sounds like a crowd of people. It sounds like a lot of people, but it's only three people. It's two guys holding down one small guy and just this like heavy chaos. So we go over then and, and here's this small little skinny 12-year-old boy flopping around on the ground. But what's crazy is both of these guys are struggling for dear life to hold this guy down. And there's not a, a boy's voice coming from him. There's a full-grown man's voice. Um, I, I had When I talked about this, I didn't think about how I was going to dummy this up to make it, like, listener-friendly. You know, I know we can't be cursing and screaming, but... Um, you know, so just picture every obscenity that a mm. grown, violent man could yell, and that's what this 12-year-old kid was saying. And at the, with as much anger and as much enthusiasm and screaming it at the top of his lungs in a deep baritone voice. Mm. And then, so, you know, there's a, I'll kill you, you know, in this deep voice. And then two seconds later, you know, and all this weird craziness back and forth. Schizo stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's like five different people in this kid. And then there was other voices. And then what was probably the true kid's voice begging for mercy and begging for help. And, you know. <laughs> So I'm like, all right, you know, we call for a rescue squad. Rescue squad's nowhere around. So we're, you know, we're just helplessly watching this. And I'm like, where's the mom at? Because she's going to have to go because he's a kid. You know, we can't just send kids off to the hospital by themselves. And the guy says, no, man, he's upstairs. She's upstairs with the, the, the daughter and the priest. And I'm like, oh, you know, as usual. Oh. Yeah, you know, no, she's busy with the other one, you know. And the daughter is her, is his twin sister. Okay. And so my two partners disappear and I'm like, all right, well, you're going to have to get mom because the rescue squad's almost here and, you know, we're going to have to transport them. So the guy says, all right, man, but you got to hold them, you know? So my ability to hold this kid was seriously underestimated. So as soon as I go to touch him on his shoulders, he's laying on the ground and I go to hold him to the ground. He's flopping all over the place and he looks up at me. And he does, he screams at the top of his lungs, I'll ever kill you. And he does this short little, like, one inch ab crunch. And I almost flip over the top of him. And I'm like, what? I mean, like, insane, stupid strength that was just, like, unheard of. And, you know, I mean, like, he threw you. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, I was holding his shoulders. He does his little ab crunch, and I almost flipped over the top of him. Oh, my gosh. So this turned into a, okay, oh, you want so, some uh-huh. of this? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the fear wasn't really there until I started really getting him. So by the time the rescue squad got there, I got, I'm like like double grapevine locked around, full Nelson, you know, just anything I can do to hold this kid down. And then when the rescue squad got there, we it took us – it took us probably 20-plus minutes to get him tied down to this gurney. Wow. And in that 20 minutes, I saw every form of possession that you could see in this kid. It was a, uh English voice, Spanish voice, what? Latin, squealing, you know, all this craziness, big people, small people. Oh, it was just this constant battle for so this kid. So many different personalities yeah. at once. Like, yeah, wow. yeah it, was, it was just insane craziness. And then we got them tied down, and, and it, we just had to keep applying more sheets to tie the, down to the round because he would do all these quick, fast movements that would, you know, that, like he would just slide right out of them. So it came, point, it came to the point where we were, gonna about to, we were about to lift him into the rescue squad. And as we're lifting him into the rescue squad, the rescue squad turns off. The second he cleared what? the threshold of the rescue squad, his presence inside the rescue squad cut the power off of the rescue squad. Wow. And I was like, hey, tell him to turn back on the ring. The guy has the keys in his hands. You know, he's like, I, you know. So we get him in there. We're waiting for mom. Mom's not coming down. I said, listen, just go. I sent another officer. One of the other officers come down, came down and uh, went off with him. So now I'm outside with five police cars. There's, like, it's, it's definitely quiet, but there's no one around. I'm like, where the heck is everybody? So time to go upstairs to the second floor. So the, another. Oh yeah, hold on. We have to do a uh, just a disclaimer. <laughs> the stuff's going to get graphic at some point. So if for any reason you have any kids in the room, just make them do something else. Yeah, and uh, you know, or pause it or Put whatever. Put in bed. Put in bed. <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, this is intense stuff. It's real life, but uh, not for the children. So uh, yeah. Wu Tang is for the children, but this is not. <laughs> so. At at some point, like the, the what's important to note is, while I'm downstairs with this kid, which was probably a half hour, um, this whole fight was going on upstairs, and even before we got there. So if you picture like a wrestling match, like a six minute full time wrestling match, <laughs> you know, there's no drug in the world. Even I've I've fought with hundreds of people on PCP, hmm. and no one's Me ever Me lasted this long. <laughs> like you could not it, like. That there's no drug that can make you go this long mm. and this constant battle and this constant struggle. And even when there's these lulls where it's getting tired, you know, just one quick little emotion will set it back into another direction, you know. So, you know, so I just went through this probably half hour downstairs. Now it's time to go upstairs and I I walk in and it, like in the movies with candles lit all over the place and in this distant room there's that, all this it was that cl- yeah yeah cliche uh, so in Catholic. the in the, <gasps> in the Latin community you know there's there's rituals for this and this mm-hmm. you know and apparently this is a common I, I mean I I wouldn't know until you know after going through Later, this that yeah. that this was a a very com uh, you know exorcisms are a very common thing like nobody would ever tell you that this was not just movie stuff. And well, that's part of the thing about this too is that like this does happen in real life. This is why we're here talking about it. So we want to point out the fact that this is not something to be scared of. It's not something to be obsessed with or 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 mystical or whatever. It's just it's real and and it's bad. And we can actually have some sort of interaction with it and have victory over it because of this. Well, you yeah, know. the victory is definitely there, and that's and actually that's that's why I felt so compelled to talk mm. about this. Compelled. Be- 
Yeah, I was compelled by, by the good guy. Would you say the power of Christ has compelled you? <laughs> yes. to just, hey, I mean that literally, nice. not sarcastically. Nice. <laughs> so I get it's upstairs. so crazy though. Like that's just like the devil to take something that's literally powerful and cheapen it by putting it in a movie to be mocked and think it's not real. Well, yeah. think or, it's people fake. scared, or, or even entertaining, Deception. or or entertaining, uh, entertaining, or even attractive. And that too. Why do people watch serial killer things? Like how many people are like, oh yeah, man, I'm all about that. I can beat that. You know what was uh, what did Kaiser Soze say? The the greatest trick the devil played. I mean, it's kind of legit convincing people he didn't exist, right? Yeah, right. Mm. It's not biblical, but it's still true. (laughs) So I get up to the second floor, and and as I'm as I'm crossing into the living room and and turning, I'm I'm picking up small parts. If if anyone's tactical out there, they know what cutting the pie is. As no, you're walking, nobody knows the cutting the pie is. Please as I am not tactical. <laughs> as you're walking to an, into a room, more of the room is exposed to you. Mm. Okay. So, and obviously I'm hearing more and I'm seeing more. Cutting the pie. And, cutting the and pie. So I'm getting exposed to more of the room. There's one thing I haven't seen yet is where are the cops? <laughs> like <there's>, I haven't <laughs> we seen. We know any, there's 10 up here, but I where haven't are seen they? any of the cops yet. Um, but, you, but you saw the girl and the, the, so, the action. Yeah. So as soon as I get to the point where I start seeing real life people. This is what I come into the room to see. This is the first thing I see when I come in the room. Here's this girl on her knees with a man behind her in a full bear hug. With wrapped, hit, wrapped his arms around in a full bear hug. The mom is laying on her feet with, his, with her arms wrapped around her legs. And the, uh, I guess we'll call it the off-duty priest, you know, the priest with the thing around his neck with the T-shirt on <laughs> Has, has is his that adjunct duty? priest? Yeah. Is that a? <laughs> but he has his hands intertwined through her hair, mm. and he's holding on to her hair with dear life, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs, "En el nombre de Jesús, en el nombre de Jesús!" And this little girl, this beautiful little girl, is screaming back in this baritone man's voice, "I'll never kill you!" Mm. You know, like this. This is clearly. Not a little girl, yep. <laughs> no. you know, and it's this fight, man. They are struggling and they're sweating, uh, er, sweating like crazy. Three fighting, people, three people down. trying to hold this girl down. And <laughs> and, it, where, and where are the cops? Well, so <laughs> cutting the there's pie, there's ten cops upstairs. Coming right? <laughs> it more into the room as I get to the the Their far of outside of the way. Yeah, as <laughs> as as soon as I see the the most part of the room now, the cops are all lined up on the outside wall. Kind of like watching a scary movie, like fingers across her face, like, oh my goodness, what is this? Oh. You know, and same, thinking the same thing I am, like, what the, and because what could you do? Like, what do you do? What like, do you there's do? no yeah. police training that says, all right, yeah, well, you don't let's go, go to the textbook on this one. Training right? on it. Yeah. Yeah. Supernatural you know, encounters. You know, nobody would even kind. tell you. So, so I've been a cop 28 <laughs> years. So what you do is you stand in the room with your fan, yeah, right. <laughs> hands over your face. <laughs> so You'll be fine. At this time, I had been on the job for 20 years. They don't want you. You're not pure enough. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> but that, honestly, that, seriously. The, the, they probably were like, no, we're good. So, you know, on the aftermath talking about this, like we were afraid, you know, like, like everybody pe- was shook. People didn't want to go home to their families in fear that it was contagious. Wow. Oh, yeah, wow. Like that's, that's where this conversation about, don't worry. The priest says, don't worry. You know, no, no. They were only possessed them like that because they were, they, they, the demons had the ability to get in there. You know, that's, so that's, that's why they were saying, no, and, no, don't worry about it. And to be honest, you. they were probably horribly abused before this, which opened the door to that. And they were not pure. Um, like the, the kids? Yeah. Oh, no, there's no, there's no, like, there was nothing to indicate that there was any of that. 
I, so. Something had to open the door to that level of. Uh, so it was the ha- so from our understanding, it was the house. The house. Mm. Oh, so, so okay. I'll, I'll tell the second part of the story in a all second right, that I right. w- that I wasn't there for Ooh, part two. But <laughs> so now it gets to this point where there's this extreme combative struggle. We're fighting back and forth, and I'm probably 10, 15 so minutes. So wait, hold into on. This. You were cutting the pie, and then <laughs> yeah, I'm in, the I'm in there eating pie while everyone else <laughs> everyone is fighting. Everyone was scared. But you're the new guy on this scene because you missed so, last night's show. Yeah, right. So yeah. she's on the ground. It gets to the point where she's on. She's now laying on the ground. Uh, mom can, can't handle anymore. Uh, it's the priest kinda, is still yelling in Latin. Yeah. It's kind of like this this lull in... in um, how, it, how na- long? Now it's a girl's voice. This is probably about 15 minutes after I after got After you got there. upstairs, okay. So, so this could be 45 minutes to an hour of this. Since you got it, there. You know, plus however long it was when they decided, hey, we really need to call a priest. So this could be... Days yeah. and nights and this, mm. you know. True. So, um, so there's this point where she's laying on the ground, and she, this is her now. She's she's begging for help. Please, I don't want to die. I don't want to go with him. Please, don't make me go with him. I don't want to die. And and I couldn't think of anything else to do but pray. So I'm looking down on this girl and 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 standing right above her, not. You're the Out. only one over here on this side of the room, by the way, uh, no, right? Like, so, th- you know, it's a small room. So, th- you know, we're all standing r- above this group of people fighting with this girl. But in my mind, I didn't say it out loud, in my mind, I said with as much as conviction as I could, like I was like, I have to order this demon out of her. And I said, in the name of Jesus, get out of her. And the second I said that in my mind, <laughs> that little girl snapped her eyes open Stared me right in the eyes and said, I'll have hacked out you. And she did a backbend and damn near stood up on her feet. And the anger and fight and, I mean, the craziness that came out of this afterwards, the fear that this demon felt mm. just with my thought, just with the thought of Jesus' name. That's not me speaking it aloud, the thought of it. I can tell you that was the most positive effect. That prayer was the most positive effect. So one one thing that, you know, and and I, I thought I understood the power of prayer. Mm. But after this, like I know. Mm. Like, like, you know, how great are the people that have faith without seeing something like this? Mm. But to have something like this, to know. I mean, so when I drive to work, I'll speak out loud. Because I know if I can think it, how much better is it if we, if I say it out loud? Yeah. Because this is, uh, you know, I saw it there, and I know the effect right there and then ahead. And it got to the point, like, this, after that moment, the fight was so strong that the assistant priest kind of gave up. The girls flopping all over the place, furniture's mm. falling over. And I said, it's, at some point, we had to do something. So now I'm like, all right, we got to try to control this girl. So... She's flopping around on the floor, so I reach down and I push her knees to the ground to to hold her the lower part of her body. And the second my hands touched her body, all of our police radios went. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, check your radios because there's amazing amount of cursing and violence and screaming going on. So I'm thinking like someone's keying their mic or something like that. But I did in the back of my mind recognize that this happened the second I touched her. Mm-hmm. So now this fight continues. I, I'm like, hey, come on, help me. And all these other cops come in. We're trying to pin her down and hold her down and everything. And there's this 
kicking and hip thrusts and like legs and knees and elbows and all this moving around and probably another 10, 15 minutes of that. You know, but that whole time I recognized that the second I touched her, there was that physical um, white static, you know, that that uh, physical powerful reaction. Mm Mm-hmm. So at the point where this lull in fighting came, <laughs> can I, I need to add, I need to interject something real quick right before you tell this story because we were talking earlier on the phone and uh, we were talking about whether or not you should tell this part of the story and right as you were uh, telling me this part of the story the phone call dropped and my kid ran across the room and right into the couch and started crying <laughs> and I was like wait a minute. <laughs> that's just that's just I who knows if it was related or not. But the fact that like your uh, radios went crazy at this yeah. point and the call dropped at that yeah. point, like so, so demons listen, interact with technology. Listen, they interfere with stuff. It's fact, crazy. I know for a fact that there's thousands of things daily that push us and alter us and guide us and try to manipulate how we handle our life. Hmm. Good and bad. And and I believe if 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 we're strong in our faith and we're 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 looking towards God. Those other things have little less effect on us. Ephesians, but if we're not Ephesians six twelve, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. But but what's important to know about that is, we think of that as a spiritual, like a like a, a mystical thought. But right. We, it, if you, anything fantastical. you get, anything you get out of this is to know that there is a physical orientation to this. Mm-hmm. You know, so it gets to this point where I want to demonstrate if this radio static is what it is. Hmm. So there's this lull in fighting, and I take my hands off. Static's still going, but I look up. The other officer is holding his shoulders down. So I'm like, hey, Mike, take your hands off. So he takes his hands off, and radios go off. Stop. So I'm literally like, take my finger, touch it to her kneecap, remove my finger, goes off. Touch it to the kneecap, Remove my finger. Come up. like so. It's because you guys all have radios on yeah. your on your belt. Yeah. Right? So like they're the on your physical person. touching of her with my radio on the second I touched her, our radios would would completely go out. But were they keyed on? No, they weren't. No, they were it just was doing- just electric oh, static coming through the radios. Mm-hmm. Your radio on your belt. Right. Was it the other guys the other side of the Everybody's room? Everybody's. Oh so gosh. the second mine keyed, all the radios. The second I touched her, Stupid. all the radios go crazy. They, wow. But that, that's why I got it. And there's nobody in that room. There's 10, off, 10 other officers there that saw and, and heard <laughs> and thought the same thing I did. And you said when the department started getting the one report back, they said, no, we want all the reports yeah. of the guys in yeah. the room. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, just to let you know something, my brother taught report writing in the police academy for almost 10 years. Hmm. And for the last, well. You said pro- he taught writing? Police report writing. Okay. So he's, for probably five years, he used this as the case. <laughs> because think about it. He's like, like, hey, guess what? This like, is something you're like, not how, ready how, for. How do you write this True. report? Yeah. yeah. Like, there's only one way to write this. You well, can't think it was a movie. You, you can't write what your thoughts about religion are. You can't write oh, what right. you believe yeah. it to be. Oh, yeah, it was, an, it was a, like a, clearly a nar- on narcotics because you can't say that it was clearly on narcotics. You can only write the facts that you're presenting, mm. you can only write the physical reaction, you can only write what's in front of you, superhuman strength. Hmm. Um, the fact that in 20 years of doing this, I've never seen a physical reaction to anything like this. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're saying the the PCP wow. people you've yeah, fought. Are, yeah, listen, no, listen. I've fought and fought and fought and fought and then did nothing. At some point, they go, 
yo, man, let's just go to jail. You know, like, <laughs> this, and, and, and long story short, this went all night long. I had a friend that worked overtime at, at the hospital. And he called me up. He's like, yo, man, what you got in the water down there, man? This is crazy. <laughs> you know, like, so anyway. Uh, in uh, Pastor of Theology, Doug Becker jumped in and said, in Mark 5, the man with the unclean spirit had the strength to break the chains and shackles they tried to use to hold him. Mm-hmm. That is uh, another superhuman strength. That's yeah. how you have to document it. You can't be um, like, the demons well, did it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so Mark 5, that was a good reference. Yeah, well, well, that's one of the reasons we're doing this because – I have the story, but I need to put it to God's word. Mm. And, you know, that's why it was so important that we get together and talk about this. And um, and I love your approach in it, too, because you said earlier, you're like, you know, this is what I experienced. I might be wrong. I want to make sure – I want to fact check it. I want to make sure it hold it against the word. That's awesome. I love your, and, I love your approach and, in it. And it's not only that, but it's my thought. Like, I know what I was thinking at the time. Yeah. But, you know, I'm as – as much influence as all this as possible. <laughs> like, like everybody else is affected emotionally by this. I don't know what's real or not, but I know how it affected me. And I know that my thoughts were with God. And I know that my, I know that I had a powerful presence here mm-hmm. because, because I was praying my way. I mean, I was like, I had to pick a side on this, <laughs> you know, like, and when you think about this, if you don't believe in God, if you if you experience if there if one of these cops was there that had no thought of God whatsoever, but he saw the devil firsthand, hmm. God has to be real. That's a great point. You know, like it has to. You can't believe in evil and not believe in a God. So if you're sitting here seeing this physical presence of evil, you have to know that God has all power over the top of that. So, like. There's so many learning points out of this that I got out of it, but let's finish the story and we'll yeah let's let's jump back let's to the, the story. extremely graphic part. So uh, again, if you have kids in the room, send them away and uh, go on. So so I'm at this point where we're trying to hold this girl down. Where so we only had one rescue squad. So the rescue squad had to go all the way up to the hospital, triage, let, let this girl off, and you know pass her off and try to explain what this is happening, and then come back to us. So that was probably. Yeah, it was probably a good 45 minutes by the time they got back to us. Um, so we're still fighting, struggling and everything. And so I'm, I'm holding her down. And at one point I look up and I realize that during this fight, she had these short shorts on, her underwear and her shorts twisted. So at, at, at one point I looked up and I saw that her privates were showing. And... My first thought was like, oh, my gosh, there's all these men in this room. Like, let's let's cover her up. But the second I recognized this kind of like nakedness, this, this exposure of her private parts, the second my mind recognized it, her entire body locked up and went stiff as a board. And I didn't know what was happening. So I look up at her face and her chin is buried in her chest and she's staring straight down at me. And this time, it's not an anger thing. It's like a sadistic smile on her face, like a Charles Manson smile. Like the first thought that came in my head, the second I looked into her eyes was like, a, you know you want me. Mm-hmm. And the second that happened, the f- like it was so, like you can almost feel the presence of this thought. She's staring at me and this thought is coming through her and popped into my brain. 
and that was the end of me. I literally let go of her, jumped across the room like, what the heck was that? I think you can say what the hell in this Yeah, It's appropriate in this <laughs> Um you know, it, but did that thought you? I've had so many times where a thought enters my mind that's so clearly from the devil. Yeah, yeah but and that that is something that so you would never think that on your own, and you're like, I know that that was just injected in my head. Yeah, right. Yeah, from the and, enemy, and there's thousands of distractions a day that come at you, whether it's envy, whether it's lust, whether it's you know just you know you're on a diet, and then there's food. People talking <laughs> about food everywhere. Like hypothetically, you came home tonight after 40 days on a diet. And your wife was giving your kids chocolate ice cream with chocolate syrup and snow caps on tap. You, you, Not, that that sounds, might be a hard a personal. I'm just saying. Shout out to Erica. Hi, What's hi, up? Hypothetically, that happened sometime tonight. But there's distractions so, in everything, you know. So, 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 so you jumped away at this point, and and what happened next? Oh, uh, so they. So I mean, I went and and went to a shots fired call, and I just came, <laughs> I gotta I came, go. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely bailed on this uh, with that. And obviously, if if because you were shook, if you think about any call like a you know like anyone in war or anybody in the, like a, a shooting call or something like this, I contribute the PTSD <laughs> from this call to be harder than any other call that I've handled because. Wow. These are things and you've that, almost been shot in the face. Yeah, I've had, I've had, <laughs> I've had a thousand rock star moments, some big, some small, right and wrong. But this is not something that you can just say, "Hey, I did the right thing or the wrong thing." There's not, there's no way to know whether you handled this properly or not. Mm. So, wow, the, the kids. That's get, huge, right there. You just said, "There's no way to know whether you handled this properly or not," and, or, or even if there is a right way. So I get a call that these kids go off to the hospital. What's important to know is the boy was given a shot of, I think they said Ativan, which is like an anti-psychosis drug that that separates the synapses on your mind so the voices don't talk and it it, it kind of... So what happened with him was the boy fell asleep, but the demon kept going all night. Oh, my gosh. So they had this kid, they had this boy tied down. So. But they never heard from the boy for the rest of the night. They had the, the 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 demon was there. Now the girl went there. They could do nothing for this girl. They gave her three shots of this, which they said was unheard of anything. Like wow. it could never happen. So it didn't even face her. So the amazing part about this is for me to tell this story and be able to tell this portion of the story, God had to place one of my dear friends that's on the SWAT team in the hospital to call me up and say, yo, bro, what the heck? And now he's telling me this this other part of this story. And he's telling me that hmm. the, they have this, the drugs had no effect on this girl. The constant, this, this spiritual battle for her life went all night long. And at, at one point she, she bent the guard, the, the uh, railing of the gurney and began to physically choke herself to death. Wow. And Suicide. they're screaming. Wait, so and she bent the rail of the gurney? Because yeah. that's normal. So, yeah. So <laughs> she, she they, they interrupted her choking herself. Wow. And then they had to put her in a straitjacket, and she rocked, and she scratched, and she rocked, and she scratched, and then she scratched a hole through the straitjacket into her stomach. What? So they said that they had to find a way to secure her with restraints. And it's to the point where she couldn't danger endanger herself. Mm-hmm. So that was the end of their thing. And for days we talked about this and joked about it. And there was a couple other things that went 
that that would make us think that this was um, house related. Oh but, yeah, the house. So now I have to do some research. So that night goes by, and I have to do some research on what the first call was because I wasn't there. So I have to. So this portion of the story is a secondhand story. So I wasn't physically there. I don't know about it, but I trust the source. And remember, I told you there was that one the guy. One guy. That if he said it, it oh, was real. Oh, just the house. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, well, that guy that said that was my partner. But this other guy is the guy that, you know, uh, says very little, but when he speaks, everybody listens. Yeah. You like, know, oh, if he like said it, it must be legit. Yeah, so there's an expression in life. Do you want to be the person that talks a lot and has very little to say? Or do you want to be the person that says something and everybody listens? Mm. You know? And he's that he's dude. He's that guy. So... This is the story from the night before. This was a burglary in progress. Everybody goes rushing through because this person's breaking through the second floor window. So the second floor window could not have been broken into because it was like a Cape Cod house where there's no access to the second floor. It was windows on top of windows, you know, so uh, no ability to get through this window. But they, they found that out afterwards. But they go to the back door of the house, you know, same steps I came up. And kids yelling and screaming, and, and cops come running with their guns out, and they're, where, where, you know, oh, in there, in there, in that room. So they all go running in that room, and they're looking on their stuff, and they come out, no, and then while they're in the other room, they're screaming, ah, ah, and, and they're like, he's there, he's there at the window, at the window. You know? So the cop goes over and looks at the window, and he pulls the blinds away, and here's this dirty window with all these, like, finger italicized things, they, like circles and some a couple italicized numbers, and written in the window and finger, but the window's locked and there's nobody out there. There's no way that somebody could be out there. So this is written from the outside. There's there's no second floor. Well, I didn't get to that part yet. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) So so now a Spanish-speaking officer gets there and, you know, they're like, and and the the Spanish officer starts speaking to him and, you know, and then they're all hyper and crazy and he's like, oh, 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 okay. Um, He starts putting his gun away and he's like, oh, uh, yeah, um, They said the uh, shadow man was was breaking into the window, <laughs> you know. And the cops were like, "Wait, wait, wait! You said shadow man, <laughs> you know?" So, you know, they're clearly thinking like, "Ah, oh, these kids are just messing with us," you know. But the big dude, that dude that I was just talking the about, the dude that everybody knows, like, oh, right. his word so, is legit. So I, I got to explain this guy because I got a mad amount of respect <laughs> and love for him. Aww. But he is the prettiest dude in the world. This dude, <laughs> <laughs> this dude's six four. So so picture every crime show that you know that has that beautiful black guy in it. You know, like what show is that has LL Cool J, you know, the, you yeah, know the, yeah. you know there's always that one dude and this is that guy. He's yep. got a 32-inch yep. waist, you know, massive shoulders, <laughs> deep baritone voice, kind and gentle and then a blade slap down on if he had to. You know, he's that dude. And doesn't joke around much but, you know, he's he's a kind, mild dude. Yeah. But his word goes. Right. But this guy saw that these kids were scared as hell. To the point where when everybody left, he parked outside. He stayed in the church parking lot across the street. Mm. And he's watching these blinds move. You know, he like he sees he's like, ah, kids are looking at him out the window. So you know, there was a thought that maybe this was a joke or something like that. But he's getting ready to pull away and the next call comes in. One of the kids is being attacked by the intruder. Mm. So he's still there. Yeah. So he pulls up, other cops pull up, he goes running in, 
and here's this girl, same girl that I deal with the next night, fully in the mix, like I explained on the first, on the second incident, fully engulfed, you know, <laughs> just man's voice fighting superhuman strength, all the craziness. And she's fighting the kids in the house. So she's fully possessed and the cops are trying to stop her from flopping around and screaming and yelling. So they're physically holding her down. Call for a rescue squad, no rescue squad. They're like, just take her. Put her in the back of your car and take her. So they bring her down the steps, and the second she clears the threshold of the house, she goes completely catatonic. She passes out. She's unconscious all the way to headquarters. Hmm. I mean, uh, all the way to the hospital. Hmm. So this cop, this dude, is upstairs, and he pulls the blind away, and all those right, all the circles and the, the... the prints and stuff on the window had a drag mark, a hand drag mark through it. All written on the outside of the window. Wow. So you start, like, this is like theatrical horror movie Mm -hmm. craziness. (laughs) Yeah, but real. Yeah, but real. So, like, what we really got to acknowledge here and just, like, I just got to put it out there. I know there's a full physical force against us. Mm. So when our day is going good and there's all these things calling at us, making us think bad, depression, despair, anger, jealousy, anxiety, and yeah, these, all these things are put there to distract us from all the blessings and gifts that we have. Mm -hmm. And they're there on purpose. And, and most of them are uncontrollable. I mean, like if we don't know, and the only way to battle it is to see it for what it is. But mm. if you could know that there was truly a physical force against us, isn't that half the battle? Whoa, that was a G.I. Joe quote. And uh, now we know it. And knowing's half the battle, right? Yeah. Oh, my age is showing now. That's G.I. Saturday Joe. morning stuff right there. That's good. But uh, there was another thing you said about when you uh, visited the girl later and the, with, yeah. what the professional told you about uh, what the medical professional told you about. Yeah, so, so, um, so th- that was one thing that we knew about the house. And there was yeah. another call. Where uh, about two or three days later, so by the way, that night, everybody's like, we're out of here, never coming back to this apartment. They moved out mm-hmm. of the apartment. About oh, the three, family moved The out. family moved out. Okay. Gone. Oh. So about three, four nights later, get a report of a guy running down the street naked. And here's this dude running down the street, butt naked, and a little Spanish guy. And- I don't know why that made fun of as, so- <laughs> as soon as we go to stop this guy- He's like, get him off me, like swinging at the air, get him off me. You know, and we're maybe a block and a half, two blocks away from this house, mm-hmm. this same house. And we're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Like, oh, they're chasing me, they're chasing me, you know. And we're like, hey, where do you live? Clinton Avenue, which You're is like, to talk about yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but, yeah. but like miles away. Miles away, okay. And I'm like, yo, man. Like, you no, didn't no, just we run two mild butt naked. You know? <laughs> somebody would have <laughs> called this in. He's like, no, I helped my friend move into his new house. Oh. The same house. It, it, like points to the house. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he tells us where the house is, and it's clearly the, the house. So, yeah, that's our diagnosis of it's the house, you know. So when you – what you said uh, – oh. so, Yeah, go on. So about two weeks later, we get a call to assist a, a screener, a psychiatric screener, and – over at this other house uh, a couple blocks away. New apartment. So we go over there, and this kid answers the door, uh, opens the door, lets me in. 
dressed in his Sunday best, holding his Bible. I'm like, hey, kid, what's up, man? <laughs> Wouldn't even know. That it's the brother. <laughs> couldn't even, yeah. couldn't possibly put it together if you wanted to. Your old friend for the first half yeah. hour that yeah, call. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'd never even, like, I never even met the kid. Completely different person. Yeah. Wow. Couldn't tell you what he looked like because it was like whatever was there before that was not the image of what this kid is now. Couldn't have had anything to Take do with a couple the Bible, more, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take a couple more steps into the room and I see the mom holding this girl who's like, she's got the girl to her chest. Uh, rocking back and forth, and the girl's kind of just holding her arms tight to her chest, you know, in this, like, clear despair. And and the screener, and like, so as soon as I see her, I was like, oh, oh, oh it's her. Whoa, stop everything, you know? And They're like, you I know. Yeah, I, did, right. I didn't recognize him. And then but. I look back at the kid, and I'm like, oh, it's you. It's, this is, you know, and I was like, because there hasn't been a second for the last two weeks that I haven't thought about this moment. No right. And, and we all want to know. We want to know how these kids made out. You and know? you were saying like yeah. that it affected the whole force. Like everybody yeah. was just I mean, shook. So the next day in lineup was not like the day when I came in and everyone's joking about it. The next day in lineup. For the lesson for him, just explain what lineup is, please. Oh, yeah. So, so the, you know, that's roll call where we all get our assignments for the day and we all meet before our shift. And, you know, this day. We couldn't even look at each other, man. We wouldn't even talk to each other. Like nobody was talking about that. I wasn't there. You were there. Yeah, we weren't there. Yeah, yeah. You were covering. You were peeing in the corner. I saw it. Yeah, right. Now, and and, um, until we were told to write, you know, until we were all told to write reports. This was the unspoken. Mm. So here's the screener, and you know, I pull her off to the side. I'm like, hey, you want? What's going on, man? What's what's happening? How is she? And she says this to me as a matter of fact. She's like, well, you know. You know the shadow man's always with her, you know, and uh, but 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 don't worry because she hasn't seen the shadow man's face. Because if she sees the shadow man's face, she'll die. And the only reason she hasn't seen the shadow man's face is because her dead grandmother and her dead father are fighting for her soul. So if you can imagine a healthcare professional giving you this diagnosis to the, res- the straight responding law enforcement, you know your only thing is like locked jaw open, like. What? Yeah, <laughs> just like yesterday. And Same thing happened. Man. Right. Yeah. But if I didn't truly believe this already. Because you had heard things about the Shadow Man yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what? So, and I haven't told you this other story, but because we're doing this, I'm going to tell you my Shadow Man Send story. Send it. So, but I won't do it right now. All right. Um, wow. What was important about it was, was this, ready for it. This, this healthcare professional explained why she was so adamant that she believed in it. Mm. She's like, this girl right here knows everything about her grandmother's and father's life. The stuff that our parents don't tell us about. In extramarital affairs. Um, you know, things that they did, you know, that the other, that the father had a, a whole other family in the next town over that didn't tell anybody about. And, the, and this girl is Woo! having full dialogue and full conversation with her dead grandmother and her dead father. And, and coming back and explaining this to the mom. So, you, you you know, there's no combating that. There's no saying, hey, you no. know, I just don't believe you. Nah, you're making, you're making this up. up. Yeah. <laughs> in, in our experiences, we've wow. learned that the supernatural is an interconnected network of demonic activity that anything you might encounter in the smallest scale is directly connected to things that have been around since the beginning of time. So they know everything about us in every detail. And when a demon speaks through a human... They have access to all that information. That's how fortune tellers work. That's how mediums work. And, well, 
as you were saying, yeah. what is that girl doing now? Yeah, right. That's she's not a median. She's not a, a median. median. She's a median. That's in the middle of the road. I, my <laughs> nephew decided to tell me that a median was the thing in the middle of the road, not what this girl is. I'm like, well, she could be right down the middle of the road with her thoughts. I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, the interconnected network thought that's why it's so dangerous when people start to mess with the demonic stuff like Ouija boards and and fortune tellers and all that stuff. It's like you're tapping into a world that knows everything about you and you know nothing about it so you are in a very vulnerable place when you begin to tangle with that. And more importantly, our faith and being strong with the word is the thing that keeps us away from that. Mm. Like, you know, like... Armor of God. Why is everybody so messed up right now? Why is all this stuff going on? Mm. Because we're getting fed it every day. Mm -hmm. All these, you know, we're we're tied into our Instagram and our Facebook and all this senseless, stupid media that's owned by billionaires that's (laughs) planning... This crap into our head. It's a distraction and more than it, anything. It, right. Deceptive. It just yeah. takes you away from all the beautiful blessings you have in your life. Like, I mean, I just have mm-hmm. an amazing amount of blessings, and I don't want to take anything away from that. Hmm. And there's all these things, these non-important things that get thrown at you that take precedent in your mind over the important stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's by design. Like, like, people need to know that. The devil's actively out yep. to divide right. and destroy and to distract so I'm uh, going to tell you this personal. This is the Shadow, the Shadow Man, Man story. All right, all so, right, get into it. All right, all right. Um, and without getting too deep into the purpose of it, but I had a really bad. This is uh, I, I'm remarried. I have a just an absolutely awesome, beautiful wife. Um, I had a really shouts out, shouts out to Erica. She's listening. <laughs> um, I I had a really tough time with my um, last marriage, and there was a moment that was a really hateful moment. When I went to bed, I, there was very few times in my life where I've done the old, you know, why have you forsaken me type of thing. Mm. And this was definitely that night. Hmm. And I went, to bat, I went to bed with so much hate in my heart. And um, it, it was just, I just, I, I guess what's important to remember about this is that I remember everything about this. Hmm. I remember the point of my life that I was at. I remember how I went to sleep that night, and I remember how I woke up the next morning. Hmm. I had a dream that I'm, <laughs> there might be a Die Hard reference in there because I had no shoes on, a T-shirt, and jeans. <laughs> but I'm in a police car driving with all the. Hey man, keep it keep it straight. Man. I, this is serious, this I just serious, got the vision of you, but you're not Bruce Willis. You're you, and it was really good. Serious Shadow Man stuff here. Sorry, <laughs> serious. <laughs> so I'm driving down the road in a police car. I got my patrol rifle next to me, full gun belt, jeans, T-shirt, and no shoes. <laughs> You're not heading to Nakatomi Plaza, yeah, are no, you? All right. th- that was the place. Oh. No, no, not that. <laughs> but, but what is important is both of these locations had relevance in my life that I didn't know. Okay. I, I wouldn't have known the power that they had. Hmm. So I'm racing to this, like, what felt like the most important call in the world. And I get to this house. And at this house is this massive brawl. They're fighting on the front lawn. They're fighting on the porch. They're fighting on the roof to the porch. They're fighting everywhere at the windows. The windows is important because the real life call, <laughs> then people are literally jumping out of windows. And, you know, like back door opens up, it's the police. And literally everyone just starts diving through all the windows, first, second, third floor. Yeah, it was crazy. It was just like. That was a real, that, that was, was a that parallel was, to that, your dream. That was the okay. real call. That, but the that place, really happened. The, but wow. the place was significant. <clears throat> okay. Because I can only imagine 
the amount of devilish stuff that happened at this place. It was yeah. a house of prostitution. Yeah, okay. But it was a house that we frequented. I mean, we disrupted every weekend. We went in there, and every weekend it was twice as crazy as the next one. And every time we'd get there, people would just dive and run and fight. But I didn't I didn't realize that at the dream, that this was that house. Okay. It was like my house, but it wasn't my house. You, yeah. know, you know, dream stuff. So, so I get there. And I scream at the top of my lungs to the crowd, where is he? And Wait, they, Sorry. Where is he? It's so, a Batman voice. Yeah, yeah, in, in my best uh, Batman voice. <laughs> so as soon as I scream to them, they all stop and mm. point in one direction. Like the fight stops immediately Ooh. and everybody in the fight points that way. So here I am in my no shoes running down the street with my rifle in my hand and I come to a building. And this building has relevance because you might actually remember the building. Um, it's a big, long, white building, and smack in the middle of it is this door. And I go in the door. I start cleaning this room. I got my gun out with the flashlight on, and there's this big furnace, and I have to get back behind the furnace and check it. So it's this dark room. I put the rifle down on the ductwork next to me, and I'm on my back sliding through, clearing it with my pistol. And as I'm laying on my back, I'm trying to scoot back out. Here comes this figure walking across the daylight that's coming in through this door. So here's all I see is this dark room with this big open lit door. And this figure comes walking by. And what do you, what can you picture what the shadow man looks like? Uh, a very large Muppet made out of trash bags. No, he was the ringmaster of a three-ring circus. Oh, my gosh. No, but, that's yeah. crazy. No, because I, I have a story about something ominous looking that they said looked like it was made so out of trash bags. here but. comes this guy, very dignified. Okay. Like a top Sh- hat and a Shoulders monocle, back. Oh. Top hat. Mm. The, what's the... Uh, bow tie? No. Tuxedo. Oh, so bow tie, yes, but the the frivolous, you know, the... the um, oh, the double-breasted, yeah. Uh, the yeah. fluffy, <laughs> fluffy type shirt with, yeah. the, with the three-piece suit and the tails and everything. Okay. And as he's walking by, he turns his head into the room and he sees me. And, and you're like behind the furnace. At I'm this point, laying right? down on my back, scooting underneath the furnace. And mm-hmm. but I don't know w- what's happening. But I've never been so afraid in my entire whole life. Mm. The fear. I'm. Sh- I'm like my rifle's three inches away from me, but I just can't reach it. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying with all my life to grab this rifle. Rifles don't work on the shadow man. You should yeah. know that. Come well. On. Yeah, I didn't know it was the shadow man at it's the also time. also a dream, but all right. <laughs> so I can't get to this rifle, but I'm trying with all my heart. And as he's walking by, he looks in the room and he goes, in my best horrible British accent, he says, oh, there you are. I've been looking for you for a very long time. And the only thing that came to me was, well, you can't have me because I've been cleansed and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ on the day of our <laughs> Lord. And I said this day. And there's no doubt in my mind that was the day I was baptized. Yo. Ha. But I said it in the day of our Lord of the 19th century or the 72 days, you know, however so you responded in kind, though, with the old English yes. or whatever he was doing. Yeah. Ha. And I said it. And the second I said it, I was freed from this dream. And when I tell you I was freed from this dream, I woke up and jumped across the room. And I was now standing in front of my big, like, big pane window in my bedroom mm-hmm. and my ex-wife was curled on the side of bed looking at me like what the hell mm. and I had physical aching pain in my ribs 
from trying to free myself from this dream. I, like I was like doing an ab crunch. Mm. Wow. Um, so there's something important to know about this. That day was the most understanding day of my <laughs> like I went into the shower and I sung a song that my mom used to sing to me. Shepherd show me how to go, how to feed thy sheep. Um I, I couldn't tell can you. Can you sing it for us? I couldn't tell you one verse of this song now. Okay, you can't sing it for us. <laughs> but I can tell you that morning in the shower, I sung all three verses of that song. Mm. And so there, there's no doubt in my mind, I just encountered the shadow man. Mm. What I didn't tell you was I never saw his face. Oh, and wow. And what happened was he walked in the room and I see this opaque kind of face, these black yeah. jaded eyes. But With the, no face, the mm-hmm. face was a void. As he spoke, there was no mouth, there was no nose. It was just this open void. And what did this medical professional tell you? She so, hasn't died because she hasn't seen his face yet? Yes. Like, what? So, I mean, obviously, it's if I were to tell this story to someone that didn't believe in Jesus, it would be like, hard yeah, for them okay, to understand. Buddy. But yeah. not only did I have this hateful moment in my life where I yelled out to God, mm. And I got this reassuring dream. Hey, listen, man. He can't touch you. Mm. He can't have you. He's looking for you for a very long time, but it doesn't matter because the war's already won. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, so not only did I have that moment years before this, this incident. So, what, but then what, I have what this, is your face just dropped when they said shadow man? Like, so when so when she starts explaining this this thought of not being able to see your face, I mean, I want to just fall my fall to my knees mm. because it's never been more clear. But when you look at the situation, you have to see that there's a physical, open, daily presence of evil, mm-hmm. and it will get you if you let it. And it's a force, you know, there'll be times where I'm driving to work and I'll be so, I have a 45-minute drive to work and I have this strong, man, just, Lord, take me, not my will, but thy will. Just use me the way you're going to use me. And I'll just be like, man, I got this. I'm going here to be a servant for you. And I'm like, I am on top of the world. And I'll be, get <laughs> out of my up, car. Right? Yep, I'm listening to worship music. Yep. We're yeah. like, I'm going to preach to people today. Yeah. Yep. And I'm walking to the rear door. And that one dude comes out the back door and gives you that look. <laughs> that smug. Psh, yep. This dude, look. You ain't ish. And it's gone. Yep. Yep. That one little smile or the one little acknowledgement just ruined, just stole your joy, just took away everything. You got to see this for what this was. Exactly. This is spiritual combat. Mm-hmm. Not even warfare. We're, this is a physical control combat. And the only way you win at combat is you got to be tactical about it. Mm-hmm. You got to know that you're capable of handling this. Mm. So whatever training we put into our physical training, we have to put into our spiritual training too. We have to arm ourselves. This is just one story. This is my personal story that I got to prove that God is real. Mary has some uh, resources that she's been uh, searching through. About. Mary, give us the what you learned today about the the armor of God and how to kind of prepare for these attacks in advance when they creep up. Mary, you, you, you've been reading today. I Give have been your, reading today. It's your turn to talk. Oh, okay. Jerry, thanks for being so candid about everything, though. Like you, <laughs> you, you. It's yeah. not easy to just sort of put that out there because you sound like a crazy person. 
But it's so true that you can't. I believe you. You know, it, I know it's you. crazy. I know you're not. You know crazy. what? It's crazy. You can go to a, a Walmart or a Lowe's or something, and be like, "In the name of Jesus, man, I just praise you, Lord," and they'd be like, "Look at this wackadoodle." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like like you could say that out loud, but and when, people are like, "This is a whack job right here." You know. But imagine the other effect when there's ten cops cowering in the corner if you would have said it out loud, and what it yeah. would have done to that girl, and what would have happened to all their beliefs. Yeah, man. I mean, obviously, Walmart's not the so so what proving grounds. But but what's in the world? <laughs> you know, like so so when do we become the strange and everybody else is popular? Desperation. You know, like so how far gone is the world? Pretty, pretty far. That we can't even say something that's thousands and thousands of years old proven. I have so many thoughts, but I'm only selecting the best ones. <laughs> tell Are us you about though? the tell us about the armor. Wow. <laughs> Just kidding. Are you though? There's so much that I was thinking about today and that I learned, even though I've read about the armor of God since I was like six, you know, put on the armor of God, shield of faith, shoes of peace, all this kind of stuff. But so this book is called Spiritual Warfare. It's by Derek Prince. Amazing book. And so this particular chapter is on the helmet of salvation and the thing that got me is that I don't, it's like the battlefield of the mind and you're talking about how you get this thought and like it comes into your mind and how you have to take every thought captive. Mm. And it's interesting that you're talking about like combat and like it being so aggressive because taking something captive is really forceful. Like you, if you get that thought, you have to be, you have to be forceful about it and take it captive and say, no, I'm not accepting this thought of anxiety, this thought of depression, this thought of murder, of suicide, of whatever it may be, and like actively take it and say, no, in Jesus' name, this is not, this is not from me. This is from the devil. And anyway, uh, so back to the, what I was saying, the helmet of salvation, this is, I never thought about it this way before, but he says, I was familiar with the passage in Ephesians 6. I said to myself, that must be the helmet of salvation. I said, does that mean I have the helmet because I'm saved? Which I always thought, like, oh, hel- I'm saved. I got the helmet. Is it automatic? I saw that could not be so because Paul was writing to the people who were Christians when he said, put on the helmet of salvation. Mm. They were already saved. That's so what does that mean? So I was directed, not me, but Derek Prince, to a parallel passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And what stuck out to him was the hope of salvation. And when I read that phrase, the hope of salvation, I had an instantaneous revelation from the Holy Spirit. I saw that the protection for the mind is hope, but the protection for the heart is faith. We often get these mixed up. Biblical faith is in the heart. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, Romans 10.10. Biblical faith is the breastplate that protects the heart, but the protection of the mind is hope. I never thought about it this way. Wow. Yeah, it's deep, man. Wow. Right? We need to see the connection between faith and hope. So I have a friend that's that's a a really powerful person. He's uh, done a lot of bad things to bad people in the name of God. (laughs) Uh, You know, like, no, he's done... You know, he's going off to war. Samson. He's going off to war and, mm. Um, mm. you know, he's been out there fighting true evil. I mean, and like the stories will tell you, these are true evil people that he's fought with. And, 
but he's a phenomenal instructor, phenomenal teacher. Um, but his key phrase is hope is not a course of action. Hmm. And huh. there's a reality of that in a physical training aspect. Like, I can't hope that it'll be this way. I have to physically prepare for it to be this way. Mm -hmm. mm. I have to train and prepare for the fight. Mm. That's because he was hoping, he was saying hope as something that would control his body. The hope, the hope is controlling his mind. The, the hope is the protection to keep him good. The hope is the part that keeps him right on the straight and narrow. Exactly. So, he says this, and I understand the the context and what he's saying, it, and I, I agree with him that yeah, you we just can't say hey, you know, and I really hope I get <laughs> hope through it'll this. Be good, yeah, yeah, I should train and become better for this, and that's you know like that's his training motto. Hope is not a course of action. Is it the same thing though that he's talking about? Because like that, I get, but yeah. I, I don't necessarily get that. Like, but but no. I but I see I see it in a parallel aspect. Yeah, he's saying yeah, your your heart can't you can't just expect hope. Hope has to be the guiding force mm. that creates your thoughts to be the proper. Okay. Yeah, know, that, that, okay, I see the so problem. Hope, yeah, the hope, is, hope, hope is related to, to the, the mind. Yeah. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, uh, which is the next line. Faith is the underlying basic reality on which hope is built. Mm. When we have valid faith, then we have valid hope. When we do not have valid faith, we may not have valid hope either. Hope may be mere wishful thinking. Which is what most people yeah, think of it. Which is exactly as, where he was going yeah. with it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and yeah, most yeah. people use the word, I think, in that way. It's like, oh, I hope so. Yeah, sure, yeah, hope this works out. true, though. But then, like, if you yeah. say, like, hope for the future, that's a, such a different word. Like, that's like, it's a drive, it's a desire. Here we go. He actually okay, defines it in the next paragraph. Right, go for it. I would like to define hope very simply according to scripture. Good idea. Hope, <laughs> hope is a quiet, steady expectation of good based on the promises of God's word. Mm. In a sense, a continuing optimism. That is the protection of the mind. Hope is an optimistic attitude that always chooses to see the best and will not give way to depression, doubt, and self-pity. Wow. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8.28. It's actually uh, courses of actions. I'll put it out okay, there. Like I, I want him to know that I love him and I'm thinking about him and I agree with but him. No, and but I, I, disagree. I feel like well, no, I feel like that <laughs> that touches on what we too often misunderstand hope as. Like yeah. that kind of like, well, I hope it works out. And yeah. don't you think that's, that's a tactic like a of the devil of too? The word. And yeah. that even too, it's a cheapening yeah. of the word and like right. taking the power. Hope away isn't from anything. Like hope is, man, that's crazy. That's 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 huge. I do think that this is a great. Um, Let's kind of turn it into a summation portion of it and kind of finalize things. So we have people Nobody listening. Nobody has that much of it. There's a couple of people listening. Shout out uh, John Candido. Oh, Jake. Jake was there. Uh, did, plus one elsewhere. Did anybody have any questions or did anyone put anything uh, in? Jake asked, what's the history of the house? And I think that's a good question to address. All right, so it was, uh, my brother did do some looking into it. It was believed that the wife killed the husband there. Oh. No um, big deal. And then. NBD. Um. And not even right. just that act, but let's think about what caused that act. Yeah, right. Yeah, who knows? Who knows, who knows how possessed really she was that led her to uh, kill but him? That, just that a was fact. The, that was the thought on it. Uh, and hmm. there was something else relevant about it. I'm not sure, but I want to say that right before she was about to be released, she came out and said, oh, yeah, I did it. You know, like... <laughs> Yeah, you know normal so, people stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so she she was about so she was to, about to get cleared of it, and then yeah. said, "Nah, it was me for real." Yeah, so I, <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. No, what I the, did that. 
I don't know what the full circumstance pride. that was. Uh, okay. But, and so there was, so the other uh, incident was the incident with the, I, I need some clarity on this too, the incident with the uh, the window and the scratching on the outside and the drawing on the window. Was that the same house? Yeah. That so, was the same house. That was so, before so, your so call the, So that was, two, that was that two was o'clock in the morning. And, and that was before or after your encounter? There? That was before. That was before. The, so I'm coming to work the next day, and they're telling me, oh, oh man, that you should have the been there before. last okay. night. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so I kind of had to tell the, gotcha. the secondhand story of the burglary gotcha. uh, You know, after my firsthand context of what happened. No, no, that, that helped put it in line for me. Um, I think that – so, so there was one other thing that I'd like to mm. go into because yeah. I, I'd like to see – there's there's two other things that, that – um, over the years, I struggled with that. That this is relevant to, um, as a as a Christian doing police work. Sometimes it's almost a naive thing for mm. us, you know. Like so, mm. some sometimes I almost become that guy that cops turn the nose up to. Like, you you got to remember that not everybody cares if that drug dealing gang member becomes the good guy. Huh. Wow, you know. When you're facing the enemy, which is that drug dealing gang member, you see them as the enemy, and why would you care to just do just the bare minimum to get them in handcuffs and then walk them through the process and be hmm. kind? Of, like th- that's not what you always see in society. And uh, over the years, I've taken a lot of resistance, ma- mainly for myself, because it's a struggle to think past what's right in front of you, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, I've always struggled with how I should feel about the person I'm locking up. Wow. So my, wow. My thought on it. Cause like, and think as a Christian, you're supposed to love everyone. Yeah. 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 Yeah, But you know what? There is a, there is a biblical mindset to battle. Right. Right. And so, but it's still a soul that Jesus died for that you're locking up. Like that's so, Conflicting. But at the moment of battle, it can't be that way. Right. So what it's translated to me, you know, and this, again, this is after 28 years of doing this. This is what I think our next conversation should be about mm. is as our role, where do we stop being a police officer and start mm. being a Christian? Mm. You know, like, like, where do I stop? Where do I put all the rules and regulations aside? Where do I put the jail process aside? Where do I put the... Um, correctional stuff and all that, where do I put that aside and then start putting influence and care into that person's life? Mm. Or do I desire to do that even, you know, because, you know, a lot of times I don't. But what's it, what it's translated for me nowadays is I treat everybody like my brother right up into the point where I don't. <laughs> and and so, so you have, you're, you're the, the guy on the other side of the handcuffs <laughs> You're the guy that's creating my police work. My, you know, you're deciding which way my direction of my night's going, <laughs> and that the, the, the like what I've had to just chalk it up as saying, the choice is yours. Hmm. I'm going to treat you like my brother, right up into the point where I don't. So that's a very hard thing to say as a Christian, hmm. because that's not what they teach you. You know, love everybody. So what I want to acknowledge here is that. We're in a society that we have to recognize evil for what it is. We have to see it for what it is, and we have mm-hmm. to call it out. Satan's out to attack, destroy, kill, divide, any way he can, deceive. Uh, but 
the name of Jesus and our prayers really change something. Think about it. In that no situation, doubt. you are, if you're the only Christian in the room, you are the only person in the world praying for that situation at that point. And prayer works. But you know what's cool? I found out later there was another guy in the room who said, man, I, I couldn't stop praying. I was praying yes. so hard. Yes. <laughs> and he told me later. But you know yeah. what was crazy? He had to separate. So we talked about this in lineup. I mean, I said it in lineup. I was like, man, I've never prayed so hard. Hmm. And but he had to wait till till line up till we got out hmm. outside to say, hey man, I gotta tell you, I was praying too. I was like, hey man, why don't you don't why don't you knuckle yeah, up, why, man? Why, What's up? Yeah, right. Why didn't you say that in front of everybody else? Because that was the thing that made us better than everybody else at that point. You can only fight the devil as if you got the armor of God on. That's right. Mm. You know, I'm not saying that I have the armor of God on all the time, but I'm not always prepared for it. But so speaking of preparing, this is a weird thing that my friend mentioned to me out of nowhere. It's like this. Uh, Co-worker, and he's like, you know, I pray for everybody I'm going to meet and deal with uh, on the job on my way into work. I'm like, well, you're an angel. But I tried it uh, once, and it really <laughs> made for a much better day. Oh, how about I, that? I uh, should try to do it more often. But like, think about that. If you put in the effort to prepare against the day you're about to face, you know, like the devil's predictable. He's got like four or five good yeah. tricks and like ten others. But if you actually prepare for your day by going to war uh, proactively – and and, de- and and being on the offense instead of the defense, like how much more successful are you going to be in your day yeah. and in fighting these attacks mm-hmm. instead of just standing by waiting to get hit by it? I had a, a the local bum. Angels come in every version, and oh, I was having a I was, local bum. I was having I, I, have a, I, I, <laughs> I was I, having I a really 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 bad day, and I took this overtime job, and I'm so I'm there in the physical you know police presence or uniform and everything, but. I'm not the guy that I always am because I'm like, I'm like damn near ready to break down. You're having a bad day. And I haven't seen this dude in years. <laughs> and he goes, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, my t- God, I can't. I haven't seen you in ages, we'll, man. We'll edit you your name out. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, how you doing, man? It's great to see you. you know, hey, man, you all right, man? Like he just read right through it. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, he's your therapist. You, like, you, you all right, man? What, what, what's wrong, sit, man? Sit on, on this piece of concrete yeah. next to me for a second. And, and now, I haven't seen this guy in about 15, 20 years. But it, and he was just as drunk as he was back then. <laughs> but, Mad Dog 2020? But, but he called me out. He called you? Because you were and, obviously and, yeah. distraught. And, and he's just like, hey, what's But he up? got through me, and, and you know, I gave him a little brief synopsis. Which, hey, you know, I'm going through some stuff at work. You know, you know I got, got some people against me. And he says, yo, man. Well, listen. I got to tell you something. You can't change nobody but you. And you, you're great, man. So don't you worry about nobody else because nothing you're going to say, nothing you're going to do is change them if they don't like you. (laughs) And it was the most powerful thing that's ever said. Because there could be someone in the room that hates and despises you. And you could put any influence you want into changing that. And they're always going to hate and despise you. Mm -hmm. But you can change you Mm -hmm. and how much time you let them own space in your head. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, you know, and really, that's I mean, that's a strong statement right there. <laughs> you know, and, and that that's what this is. You can put you that know, on like, a mug and sell it on Instagram. Like, <laughs> a no, how much time and influence are we going to let the devil instill mm-hmm. in these moments? Like, that's how much time can we put into this? How much are you going to let? And 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 I can preach to myself real quick. Where how much time are you going to let the lies of the enemy take root as if they're truth in your head? without combating it mm-hmm. and, and, and just sometimes you just got to be like in jesus name help me see truth and mm-hmm. help me not believe this and, garbage and then to know that he will yeah and he that's will. it too and that's part of the thing too is that um 
there's a part in the Bible where uh, the guys come and they say, uh, oh, we tried to cast out devils in your mm-hmm. name and it didn't work. And he's like, I don't know you get away from me. Mm-hmm. So if we're just sitting there trying to throw out this uh, well, the power of Christ compels you and we're not actively involved in a working relationship with Jesus or God, it's not going to work because they know right. Jesus I know, but I don't know you. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you trying to pull? Because you don't have the actual authority. You have to say it and know that the name of Jesus actually brings freedom from chains, freedom from bondage, freedom from oppression, addiction, all that stuff. Uh, in uh, part two, we might get into some of my stories, but I have some very powerful, concrete evidence that yeah. spiritual affliction is real, spiritual bondage is real, and by the name of Jesus, decades-old chains can be broken. Awesome, man. Waxus Radio. Episode two coming soon. <laughs> Thanks for joining anyone. Yo, that came thank in. you, Jerry, for being here. Uh, thank you, Mary, for being time. here. Spread the love. Encourage one another. Don't be a jerk and waxless. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening today. This has been Waxless Radio, episode one, Exorcism, which brings me to the point of the show, which I am going to now name Shoutouts and Checkouts, where we give you resources to what we have discussed on the show. First up, Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Incredible read. I would suggest when you read it, read it as nonfiction. Uh, Pigs in the Parlor by Frank Hammond, an incredible book that helped shape my perspective on demonic deliverance, which you'll hear more about in that upcoming episode. Also, we reference Spiritual Warfare by Derek Prince, also a very solid read. And of course, where would we be without the Bible? If you've never read it and don't know where to start, I would say start with the story of Jesus. The whole book is about him. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. They all tell the story of Jesus, but from four different perspectives. Proverbs is a great place to start for general practical wisdom, and James is general how to actness. Which brings me to the final portion of our end credits, the Waxless Family Shoutouts, where we let you know about music we have made. Mary and the Maxwells, So Good, is the name of the EP, found wherever you listen to music. It's... Just a, just a fun listen. Mary and I worked on these songs for a long time. It's encouraging, uplifting, empowering. And then there's my record, Waxless. Steadfast is the name of the record. It's a collection of church songs that were reimagined through my you know, flavor and uh, a couple songs I wrote. Firewood Lodge, the Welcome Home EP. This is, imagine an ex-rapper who decided to become a singer-songwriter and then hired me to produce it. Uh, we got some really talented friends around and we just made some fun music. Corey Costa, Skyward Spiral. Amazing hip-hop from a young man who is incredibly insightful and a really killer rapper. He's on a future episode. I can't wait for you to hear that one. Charles Only, 183. The only one that may be a little sensitive to young ears, but it's a great project. I made a lot of the beats behind it. Charles is a good friend. We go way back. We made a lot of music together over the years. And last but not least, podcasts that we recommend. Signal to Noise pro-audio-based community hosted by ProSoundWeb and includes a friend of mine, Chris Leonard, who has been very kind in sharing with me best practices for getting this show off the ground, so I am very grateful for his guidance. Today is Tomorrow, conversations revolving around fatherhood by my man Nota Verbs, also known as Verbs, who is on an upcoming episode as well. He's an incredibly insightful individual, and I think that the conversation I had with him that led me to take notes on the things we were talking about might be one of the original inspirations for starting this podcast in the first place. Tasting Notes by the United States Coffee. Dear friend of mine, Matt Novak, they talk about coffee. If you like coffee, go check it out. I'm going to try to get him on the show at some point, too. The Silent Creative in 
college, my man Darren Cooper was in my band. He played guitar, and he's been doing this show, sharing helpful things that have gotten me out of my own head and helped me to be more productive creatively. In conclusion, if you enjoyed this, please subscribe. You know, the thing that everybody on the internet begs you to do. But also, more important than that, if we spark something that you want to talk about more, we have a couple ways to do that. You can join the Waxless Radio Facebook group, or if you're in the up-and-coming generation, you can hit up the Discord server at Waxless Radio. One word, no spaces. And if you're really old school, you can send us an email at waxlessradio at gmail.com. On behalf of all the good people here at Waxless Industries, I would like to sincerely thank you for your time in a world that is constantly pulling for your attention in 20,000 different ways at any given moment. And I appreciate that you spent this time with us. See you next time. You are listening to Waxus Radio, the podcast.